Welcome back to another episode of For Christ's Sakes Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Matt. And I'm Trey. And today we're going to be talking about Easter, since of course Easter is this Sunday. Um, and we're just kind of going to start at Palm Sunday and work through the week and end up on Easter Sunday. Yeah, there's some really good symbolism that happens throughout the story, um, especially starting on Palm Sunday through the prosecution, crucifixion, and resurrection. Um, prophecies in the Old Testament coming true. Um, there's betrayals. So it's, a, it's a fantastic story with a lot of different layers to it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously it's very complex and there's tons and tons of references and stories in the Bible um, about it. And so we're going to give like a little overview of it and maybe dive a little deeper than like your surface level um, story. But I feel like for me each year, I kind of learn more pieces to the puzzle, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I didn't realize that last year, and it'll just be a little thing that, like, maybe I just read over last year, heard about in church, and it didn't really stand out to me, and then this year I've seen a few things, and I'm like, oh, like, that's a very important piece to the puzzle that, like, I didn't recognize last year, so it's, I feel like it's really important to kind of go through the story, like, multiple times, and so you can get a fuller picture of just what Jesus went through and the whole weekend stuff. Yeah, no doubt, and pastors, you know, every year on Easter, they're going to give their Easter sermon, but they aren't mm-hmm. just going to give the same sermon, so it's, it's really good to go back because Easter is so complex in all the different details and layers it has. You really, you know, will never get the same sermon twice. You will get new information, and it's really good to hear new stuff about the story. Okay, sorry guys. I moved too much and I'm in this chair and it keeps squeaking, but <laughs> we're at our new house. We just closed on our house. Um, so we don't have any furniture, so we got these um, chairs right now. So <laughs> this is the setup for now. But anyways, okay, so you want to start with like Palm Sunday and kind mm-hmm. of walk us through the story? Yeah, so Palm Sunday, um, Jesus is entering Rome and the key symbols in this part is one, how he entered. So he entered on a donkey, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. They said that the you know king is going to enter Rome, Jerusalem, on a donkey, and he's going to get crucified on the end of the week. That was one of the prophecies in the Old Testament. But historically, that symbol of entering a city on a donkey is a, a symbol of a king entering the city in peace. You know, if he were going to enter the city looking to, you know, for a battle or to try and take over, he would enter on a war horse. But him entering on a donkey declared that he was entering in peace. See, I never knew that. That's so yeah. cool. The whole time I was sitting here like, why a donkey? Like, mm-hmm. out of all things, why a donkey? But that, yeah, that and that's, that was what... Um, that's very cool. We were listening to a Palm Sunday service uh, on Palm Sunday last week. And that was one of the details that he shared, and I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I must have been <laughs> in my own little world. <laughs> yeah, that was, now I thought that that was really interesting, because like, I, I never knew that. You know, yeah. who, who does know that until someone tells it to you? But you know, I thought that that was really cool. But other thing is, you know, the, the palms, people are, Hosanna, you know, our God, and they're laying down palm leaves as Jesus rides by on the donkey. And... You know, in their minds, they're thinking, you know, finally, finally we get the king that we wanted from when he was born. We wanted this king to come in and, and 
deliver us, you know, get rid of the oppression, and finally rise and take over the world. But quickly by that night, Jesus said, guys, that's not what's going to happen. You know, I'm here to die, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of was his whole attitude was he shut down all of the, you know, I'm taking over the world talk. Because, I mean, they've been wanting that since his birth. You know, he was born in a manger and people were expecting him to, you know, take over the world. And that never happened. And Jesus was consistent through his crucifixion. Again, you know, I'm not here to take over the world. I'm here to save the world. And, that, and that's, he kept that pretty consistent through his entire life. That's pretty hard to grasp. I mean, I'm sure, like, if we were in the same position as all of them, we probably would have done the same thing. Like, we wouldn't believe somebody if they were like, uh, oh, yeah, I just came here to die. You know, like, you're going to be like, no, you didn't. Like, why do you stop talking like that? <laughs> and they just probably had this image in their mind of, like, what Jesus was going to do. And in a way that they thought it was going to happen and stuff. And, I mean, Jesus has his own plan and everything. So I feel like, you know, it's kind of like, why did they do that? Like, why did they think that way? But I feel like we would have probably done around the same thing. Yeah, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you, you know, uh, up until that point, you know, the Old Testament is what you're grasping to. And you get prophesied a king that's going to save the world when your mind everything that you've known is kings and oppression. And, you know, kings just, you know, oppress all of their subjects and there's no, you know, growth. And you have, you're thinking the king delivered the world. Well, he's going to take over all of those people and everyone is going to live happily ever after. But that's not, not even close to what happened. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Okay, so what happens? Wait, actually, before we move on to the next part, was there, is there a significance of like using palm leaves for leaves? Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know. That would be a good <laughs> question. But if y'all do know the answer, please, you know, put that in the comment section or email yeah. us because I, I honestly don't know. I would be making something up if I said it. So <laughs> I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I'm sure there is some type of symbolism there, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I was just wondering. Okay. Um, I feel like. I don't know, I feel like we kind of skip past Palm Sunday a lot. I mean, we, you know, everybody talks about it at church, like the preachers have a sermon, but other than that, I'm like, well, it's like, oh, it's just Palm Sunday, but it's like, it, that was a very significant day as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's the, the high before, you know, the obvious low where he gets crucified, yeah. and I mean, and it kind of, I mean, it's significant, but it gets overshadowed by the death. And yeah, for sure, for sure. I just feel like, you know, it's a part of the story that, like, it's a major part. Um, but anyways, okay, so what happens after Palm Sunday? So there's some events that happen, nothing, you know, extraordinarily major. Um, Jesus gets questioned by some Pharisees about, you know, his intentions and what, what he's doing and whatnot. And that's kind of a precursor leading up to them, you know, turning him into Pilate is, you know, them questioning it that happened after Palm Sunday, but earlier in the week. Um, do you continue on the timeline a couple of days? You know, Judas ends up, I mean, spoiler alert, Judas betrays Jesus. Okay, wait, let's, who is Judas? So Judas is one of Jesus' disciples. 
one of the 12 disciples. He's one of Jesus' most trusted people. And it, it, it's interesting, and we'll get to that part of the story in a second. But Jesus makes a deal with some of the Pharisees to betray Jesus for money. Um, in the Bible, I think it's written like 40 pieces of silver or something like that. Um, I don't know how much that, that would be in today's time, um, but he made a deal for money to betray Jesus. Mm. And that happened about the day before the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. mm. And I feel like, I don't know. I mean, that was an extreme case, but it's like, we betray Jesus constantly, you right. know? Like, we'll kind of turn our heads to him, or heads, like we have two heads. <laughs> we'll turn our head to him, or like go against him, you know, whether we mean it or not. But I feel like, you know, before we're out here, we're like, oh, why did Judas betray him? Um, Okay, let's take a look at our lives and see how we've betrayed Jesus before. Yeah, everyone wants to you know, grandstand and talk bad about Judas, and obviously he betrayed Jesus. But the prophecy was for Jesus to die anyways, and we're all Judas. Everyone is Judas. We turn our back on Jesus all the time. So before we sit and judge Judas, let's you know examine ourselves. Yeah, and it was supposed to happen that way, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so what's after that? But yeah, after, <laughs> like after that, the, the next day is the Last Supper, where Jesus gathers with his 12 disciples and has the Last Supper. And it's written in John that as his disciples entered the house, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And yes, that does include Judas. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that that was going to happen, and yet he still welcomed him in the home, washed his feet, treated him just like everyone else, which is kind of crazy. It is, because I'm like, you know, if I knew somebody was going to betray me, you know, would I do that? No, I probably wouldn't, if I'm being honest. I mean, how many people could say, like, yeah, I'll wash their feet, but, like, Jesus did, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's, it's pretty insane but Jesus welcomes his disciples in you know they have a feast and this is where we get you know the Lord's Supper he said you know take this bread this is going to be my body you know drink this wine this is going to be my blood because when I die you know, this is what I'm going to be leaving for you do this in remembrance of me and so that's why we have the Lord's Supper because of the Last Supper. And this is kind of where it becomes known to everybody, like, wow, this dude is serious about thinking he's going to die. Now, the disciples still didn't believe him. They did not believe him. They, they thought that he was, you know, I guess joking around. I don't know. But, I mean, think if, if you had, you know, this guy that you've been following for 30-some-odd years, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm going to get betrayed, denied, turned in and crucified for doing absolutely nothing. Stop playing, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't believe him. No, you tripping. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so he, like, like Jesus put this dinner on because he knew it was going to be the last one. And, mm -hmm. But they came. Like, why did they Because, I mean, he was their teacher. I mean, they've been following around, so he, when, he, when he get invited to, you know, 
dinner, and he comes. They're probably didn't think anything of it. But at the dinner, he tells the disciples, one of you is going to betray me. We obviously know that that's Judas. He said, one of you is going to deny me three times, which we know now is Peter. And he, he said this, and no one believed him. No one believed him. And it all ended up happening. I mean, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that it was going to happen, and it did. It happened exactly as Jesus said it was going to happen. Never, it's never how we think it's going to happen. Always what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on. What happens after um, the Last Supper? So after the Last Supper, Jesus kind of goes off by himself to pray. And you know he's praying, talking to God, preparing himself. Because we... We lose track of the fact that Jesus is also a human being. And no human being really wants to die. I mean, he knows that he has to die for everyone. But, I mean, who really wants to do that? And so he's just, you know, talking to God about it. And this is the part where Judas portrays Jesus and the guards go and arrest him. And it kind of sets in motion a chain of events that essentially was bound to happen in the first place. Okay, so what is, like... The timeline of this, like when does all this happen? So that was, you know, during the night, Jesus is taken, and he is brought before Pilate early in the morning on Friday. Okay. Early in the morning on Friday, um, they bring him before Pilate and say, you know, hey, we need to arrest this dude. And it's interesting to point out that Pilate did not want to prosecute Jesus. He asked them, you know, what laws he broken? And the response is, well, we wouldn't bring him before you if he wasn't guilty. They didn't say he broke this law, this law, this law. They said, we wouldn't bring him before you if he wasn't guilty. And Pilate says, I'm not trying an innocent man. You know, go and convict him of your own laws. I'm not dealing with it. And that was the initial response from Pilate, which is really interesting because he kind of gets a bad rap. But through this whole thing, like Pilate really wasn't about trying to crucify Jesus. Okay, let's go back. Who is Pilate? So Pilate is a Roman judge. And at that point in time, he is a very, very, very powerful man. He essentially controls who lives and who dies under the law. Um, you know, we have you know, our Supreme Court of seven judges. They decide, you know, what laws are right, but they don't actually like, really sentence people. Pilate was a judge and a jury, and he controlled the executioners. So he, he did it all. He was the, you know, end all be all, the judiciary system around. And he's like, what are y'all doing? Like, what is he guilty of? Okay. Mm-hmm. pressure Pilate, they pressure Pilate, they pressure Pilate, and finally Pilate's like, you know, whatever. We're going to let the people decide what happens. So you had Jesus, who was a, you know, preacher, rabbi, you know, our God, but wasn't the God of everybody. He was just, you know, essentially a folk hero to the people. And then you had Barabbas, who was basically a mayhem star. 
And you have to kind of understand where the people of Rome are coming from because Pilate says, I'm going to let you all, the people, decide who goes free and who's crucified. Well, at that point in time, all the people were oppressed by Rome. They, they couldn't do anything. They had no money. They're getting taxed, you know, all of their paycheck plus some. They had no money. So they're wanting to get out of oppression. They're wanting to, you know, start conflict. Well, who's going to do that? A essentially a preacher or, you know, a murderer, a mayhem starter. Well, obviously, the latter. So when the, they ask the people, you know, who do you want to go free? Everyone's Barabbas, Barabbas, we want him to go free. And that essentially, you know, sealed Jesus' fate. That part, so I read that like yesterday, and I'm like, why on earth would the people say, you know, they want to crucify Jesus? Like that part stuck out to me this year. Like that was one of the things, and I was like, why would they want an innocent man to die? And that just kind of like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That just like baffles me. And that's kind of the historical context. You have to view it from the eyes of the people, as they're trying to cause as much mayhem as possible, and Barabbas is the one that's going to do it, because Jesus is, I mean, he's just a preacher. So, I mean, who are you going to choose if you're trying to start an uproar over the government? Mm. It kind of sounds like the craziness of today. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is wild. I mean, you know, crazy knows no timeline. You know, they're crazy back then, crazy now. Very true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... They pick Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so what starts going on now? Jesus is absolutely tortured, whipped, lashed. Because you got to remember, I mean, Pilate didn't really want to prosecute Jesus, but all of the Pharisees did. They wanted this dude out of there. They hated Jesus. So once they got to go ahead and crucify this dude, I mean, we're talking... You know, lashes with, with metal spikes on the end, you know, the whole nine. And it, it's absolutely insane how, you know, the Bible depicts Jesus' torture before his actual crucifixion. It's crazy. I mean, I feel like I never understood the part of, like, the crucifixion. I was like, you know, they hung one across, whatever. But, like, that is, like, the worst way to die and the most torturous way to die like that he went through um like you were saying with you know whipping him and everything they were spitting in his face mocking him and what were the words they wrote like the words that people wrote about we're not oh okay, okay not sorry sorry but i was like that's insane and that's when did they crucify people back then? Was that like a common thing? Yes, it, it was just the common capital push, punishment at that point in time. You know, that's how you, they kill people, is you hang them on crosses. And traditionally, it's done where you hang them on crosses, but you tie their hands with rope. And obviously, mm -hmm. in, in Jesus' case, they nailed oh. his hands because Through his hands. they Through did his not hand. like the man. But they, they tortured him so bad that tr traditionally you have to carry your own cross up to be crucified. But they tortured Jesus so bad 
that he couldn't carry his own cross. Like he couldn't like physically carry the cross. And that's another part of the story is, you know, during the Last Supper, he says someone is going to deny me three times. They called out, you know, if anyone, you know, Peter, I see you with this man. Do you know this man? No. I don't know this guy. I don't know. And he, he did. He denied him three times. And then, if memory serves me correctly, you know, as Jesus is carrying the cross, Peter finally says, I know this man. I love this man. And he, Peter is the one that went and helped Jesus carry the cross up to be crucified. Mm. That's, that's so, like, heartbreaking, I'm sure. You know, it's like, think of, like, your best friend or something, and, I mean, you're about to be um, crucified. And I know we can't even wrap our minds around that, but, like, just, just think of it. And then your best friend's like, nah, like, I don't know this dude. Like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, he's getting physically hurt and stuff and mocked and everything, and then it's like, someone close to you does that when you're about to die and that must like crush you, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and another thing is Jesus' mother at this time, she's still alive. So she is there through all of this, watching her son, the savior of the world. I mean, she got promised that this guy was going to save the world. Her son was going to be the savior of the world and now she's watching him just get brutally, brutally tortured. No. So was she mocked? Did it say anything about that? No, because at that point in time, you know, she's a woman. Her standing in culture isn't exactly the yeah. same as the men. Okay, so was Joseph there? There's not much mention of Joseph. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, well, I I urge you guys to not just like listen to this because it's not going to be as powerful. Just like telling you what happened, like. Go look up a video on YouTube or watch um, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ um, to just really see a graphic um, video, super um, probably gory and stuff, but watch it. Like, it's going to be heartbreaking to watch and um, everything, but that's like, I mean, I think they do a good job of like kind of explaining what happened and like showing what happened and stuff and just just like watching that kind of gives you a different perspective on it and makes you realize like just how bad that must have been mm -hmm. and yeah i'm glad you mentioned lee strobel because he has a case for christ and then he's basically you know looking at it fact by fact on how do we determine if this is true or not mm -hmm. and it is indisputable that Jesus was a real person. He existed. You know, there's records of him existing. But the whole basis of Christianity is this story. Mm -hmm. If Jesus died and came back to life, Christianity is real. If this is made up, Christianity doesn't exist. It completely falls through. And he kind of goes through in more of a fact-based approach on is this real, is this not, and in his conclusion, I mean, he, he comes to the conclusion that this is real, obviously. And so that's why, you know, we're here today, you know, sharing this story with you guys. Yeah. Okay, so he's getting mocked. Peter carries his cross for him. Mm -hmm. They get up there, you know, to be crucified. And instead of using rope, as I mentioned earlier, they nail him to the cross, you know, one through each wrist and then two through his feet at the bottom. And so they hang him up. 
and the standards cross up. And, you know, you would think that that would be the end, but it's really not. Um, they end up putting a crown of thorns because Jesus is the king of the Jews. They're trying to mock him. They even put a sign on his cross that says king of the Jews. So they're trying to make as much mockery of this happening that like, oh, we got the king of the Jews. They're trying to mock him. Yeah, dehumanize him, you know? Mm -hmm. I just like can't even fathom all that. It's and uh, yeah, and, and you know, through this whole thing, it's, it, it's rough, but one of the most important parts, at least the part that stands out to me the most, is Jesus is going through this whole thing and while he's on the cross, he has two other criminals that are being crucified with him. And actually, by the time he, like before he dies, he ends up saving one of the criminals. And, you know, blesses him and, and he gets to go to heaven. And I think that's absolutely incredible that one of Jesus' last acts on earth is to save somebody. And I just shows like, his selflessness, you know, he was literally being tortured and everything, but he still was trying to teach others about God and, um, you know, help other people and save them. And it's like, wow, could we even be like a little tiny bit of as selfless as he was and still is? Um, and another, well, I haven't gotten to your part yet, but, um, Another thing was like he forgave everybody that was mocking him. He was like, Lord, forgive them. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what? They're mocking you, and you're like, please forgive them. And it just shows how much, you know, he's like, yes, he was human, but then it's like, he, I can't, I can't even explain that part. <laughs> he's full human like and he's full Supernatural, too. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> he's supernatural, too. So, it's insane. Okay, so then get to your part. <laughs> well, I, and finally, the, the last thing is, it, it, it's dark outside, it's in the middle of the day, but it's dark outside, and, you know, Jesus um, declares that, you know, he, he's done, and he dies and goes to heaven, and they take a spear, and they stab him, like, right underneath the ribs mm -hmm. and instead of bleeding blood he water comes out of his body and why is that significant because jesus was it's a sign of purity and that's it basically said that jesus was like he's dead what was the um that was in a case for christ him like stabbing him and it was like evidence that like he was dead because mm -hmm. you know people are like oh he never died or whatever but it was like no, like them stabbing him and how those stuff came out, whatever, that showed that like he was dead. Yes. Um, and before he, you know, died, he said, it is finished. Yes. So what is, can you explain that? Well, that, that it goes back to the prophecy in the Old Testament in which he is prophesied that, you know, Jesus is going to come. He's going to do a bunch of things, and he's going to die for everyone. And him saying it's finished, that's kind of him declaring, you know, the prophecy's been fulfilled. I've done what I need to do. It's time for me to go home. Yeah, that's 
in the is it the Hebrew word? Is like the Telestar? Yes. Telestar. That's good. Thanks. Okay. So I feel like a lot of us kind of skip past the death. You know, like we're like, oh, he died and stuff, but it's like, we're like, but then there's Easter and he rises, which we're about to get to. But I saw this thing and I was like, you know, we kind of skip past it. We need to like stay in the death for a little bit and like think of that and really try to understand it before we can get to the part where he does rise. Yeah, and you, you, we have to remember that you know Jesus died and rises again the third day, but there's a lot of time in the middle where it is just utterly hopeless for the people on the earth. They have no clue what's going on. Their you know, Savior of the world has just been killed in front of them. They don't know what to do. They are losing their minds. And you know, Jesus teaches them, you know, you know, I'm gonna die, you're gonna have to go on teaching my story to everybody, but it doesn't enter your mind after you just see the man that you have put all of your eggs in his basket, nailed to a cross, and killed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we kind of want to go through maybe some scripture. Yeah, sure. This. We can, you know, read scripture about yeah. the death. I feel like it's important to read scripture, especially about um, such a big thing that happened. Yeah, so starting with the crucifixion, um, sorry, it's John 19. He says, So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. <laughs> there they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So they made sure that everybody knew what that sign said. They didn't want just some person knowing what it is. They knew everybody. They put all the languages on there. So wait, I have a question. Why, you know, if Pilate was like, why am I doing this to Jesus? Why did he make the sign? I didn't realize, like, he made that. I guess he was just kind of finished with this whole deal. Like, whatever. There's whatever. another guy over there. Like, yeah. Okay. So the chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. But that was this man, but that was, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. So they wanted to kind of differentiate. He's not the king of the Jews. He just claimed to be king mm-hmm. of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So, I guess that's, that, 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 I guess that answers your so question. Maybe mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Pilate kind of understood, you know, wow, this dude is a significant guy. You know, we need to write him off that. Who knows? When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide about law and we'll get it. Let this happen that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So that's another reference to one of the prophecies in the Old Testament. 
So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife, a collapse, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And now we're kind of getting into the death of Jesus. It says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put that sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So that is part of the prophecy being fulfilled. Yeah. And we always hear, it is finished around um, Easter, so I thought that was good that we read that part. Mm -hmm. Now was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Mm -hmm. So once again, prophecies from the Old Testament being fulfilled. Yeah, okay. So um, I do want to say, like, I know we said this again, but we're not like Bible scholars or anything. Like, um, so if we ever do get something wrong about the Bible, like, you're welcome to shoot us a message or something um, and let us know. Uh, we just kind of interpret it how we feel is right, and um, you know we're learning every day. So yeah, yeah just just to um, we're not say I'm, that. <laughs> I'm not gonna say everything you know correctly. And uh, yeah, yeah. But God knows our hearts, and um, we're trying to be as accurate as possible and trying to make it relatable. So yeah. Um, okay, so after the death, um, they're kind of wandering around, not knowing what the heck to do. That happens for, you know, a while. And then we get to the, the more well-known part, which is mm -hmm. the you know, resurrection of Jesus. And it's mm -hmm. interesting that, you know, the, the women go to the tomb. And they see, you know, the stone is rolled away. The guards are nowhere to be found. Jesus isn't in there. And so they come back, or, and then the angel appears and he says, you know, what are y'all doing here? Essentially is what he said. And um, they're like, well, we're here for Jesus. And the angel was like, um, he's not here. He told you he wouldn't be here. Why are you looking for him here? And I think that, that that's... You know, pretty funny because Jesus did tell him, you know, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back alive after the third day. You know, and he said that. But who believes that? 
you know, when in the world has that ever happened, you know? You're delusional. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jesus had, had, at this point, you know, brought people back to life, but he himself, you know, they're like, hey, that's just not going to happen. But, you know, it did, obviously. And so the women go back and tell the men, like, hey, you know, Jesus is here. This angel told me that he is risen. And so then everybody goes and checks it out. And that kind of adds to the validity of the story is that the women have a testimony and then everyone kind of has a testimony. And then Jesus appears to them for the first time. And it's crazy because, like, how many people witnessed him after he resurrected? A lot. Like, not just like just the disciples like he there's many 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 testimonies and you can you know look this up independently there's a bunch of testimonies of jesus you know appearing to people after he had been crucified was it like hundreds or thousands hundreds hundreds yeah, of testimonies okay. i think that's so crazy because like you know if one person were to see him after he resurrected everybody would be like no, that's not true. But like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that, you know, maybe knew him very well or didn't really know him very well, like all of them saw him. And I think that's that's just so crazy, but so important to realize like that proves that he did resurrect with and that's the significance also of the four Gospels. Because you have four independent people writing of the birth of Jesus, his life, and then the death and resurrection. And when you're, when you're looking for historical facts, you know, you, you need a couple of corroborating sources. Like I think two, two is generally the standard for, you know, ancient, you know, history. Well, we have four independent sources and you you generally don't look for things to say the exact same thing because that means that they're fake and they've kind yeah, of gone played out, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's interesting that all of the four gospels have slightly different you know emphases and things that they say but they all get you know the, the death and the resurrection to be true so that's four corroborating sources saying that this happened and that that's significant as well yeah for sure um and i know like a lot of people are like well someone just i don't know like when his body was gone out of the tomb people are like oh the security guard fell asleep or like they just somebody stole his body and moved it whatever like why is that why can't that be true why can't those things be true I mean, you know? <laughs> they're just not true right i know i feel like i don't know the explanation i like heard it before, but there's proof. Um, I don't know. Does Lee Strobel go over that? In he probably movie? does. It's really probably good. yeah. He's really good. You just need to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like he goes over like each um, scenario, and um, you know when they went to the tomb and stuff. But anyways, but people still saw him after, so I guess that doesn't is not like super important. No, you have the, the stabbing the ribs and then bleeding out symbolizing his death. You know, he was dead, and then he was not dead. Yeah. Now you even have, you know, Thomas, you know, he, he 
the, the phrase is sort of an older phrase now people don't actually say it anymore it's being a doubting Thomas and it comes from the Bible you know they're you know all at this house you know talking about you know what what are we going to do you know Jesus is gone and he appears to them and Thomas is like I don't believe you like to Jesus's face I don't believe you and, and he, he said, well, touch the holes in my hands. Touch the scar in my side. You know, it's me. And that was kind of what got Thomas over the edge. And you know, I, a lot of, Thomas is, is a lot like us. You know, if we could just touch the, the scars of Jesus, it would just make everything better. Like, we would believe now. And, yeah. Okay, so one last thing. So he's walking around like, do you remember like how long he was just, people were seeing him before? I, I think it's around 60 days. I'm not very confident in that answer. Okay. But I, I think it's around, you know, um, you know, 40 days is generally a, a good guess in regards to the Bible. I mean, 40 to 60 days, I'm around there. And that's the part where I always got confused. I was like, oh, okay, he like died and resurrected, but like, then what? Because he's not still like, you know, walking around like physically, you know, right here. Like he's with us always. But I'm like, then what happens? <laughs> well, that, that, that's the thing to bring up is, you know, in this time, that's when he tells the disciples, you know, I, I have to go back and be with my father because that's where I belong. But I'm leaving behind with you the Holy Spirit, and it's my Spirit living within, within inside you all, so that when you go. And preach my name and, and my story to people, you know, you'll be filled with my spirit. And that's when this happened. That's when Jesus sells, tells of the Holy Spirit that he's leaving behind for us. And that's what we have today is the Holy Spirit. And so all believers, you know, when you're baptized and accept Jesus in your heart, you know, you're accepting the Holy Spirit in your heart. Yes. And that happens in this time, you know, post-resurrection before the ascension. And then it just goes, like, <laughs> well, no, no, the, the sky splits. Oh, okay. It, it was a significant event. The, the sky splits, and then Jesus is, is called back into heaven. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Picture, yeah, picture like, like Thor thunderbolts and just sky splitting, <laughs> you know. I'm a nerd. Don't mind me. Yes. Okay, well... That was awesome. Great job explaining that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, hope I, I hope I did it justice. Yeah. I hope I did it. Um, okay. Well, everybody have a great Easter, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, and I implore you all to go and, and read about the Easter story, and not just what's in the Bible, but some other stuff that you can find on the internet. Um, just, just read about it. It's a fantastic story with a lot of details. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. Happy Easter. Mm -hmm.